0: bookstack with richard aldous the books and ideas podcast brought to you by americanpurpose.com you can check our website for all the latest commentary and analysis and it's where you can find details of our online events including on february 22nd joanne Liedem ackerman discussing her new book pen journeys memoir of literature on the line coming up on the show for this president's day weekend Ian Dale, legendary figure in British publishing and broadcasting and editor of the new book, The Presidents, 250 Years of American Political Leadership. Also joining us is Alvin Feltzenberg, former principal spokesperson for the 9-11 Commission and contributor to the book. Uh, Ian, Alvin, welcome to Bookstack. Thank you very much indeed. Looking forward to it.
1: Good morning, gentlemen.
0: Uh, So, Ian, what made you want to bring up this new book on The Presidents?
2: Well, I'd done a previous book on British Prime Ministers to coincide with the 300th anniversary of the first Prime Minister, Sir Robert Walpole, back in uh, 2021. Um, he became Prime Minister in 1721. Um, and that got a really big, good good reception. Um, it sold about 25,000 copies so far in hardback, which for a £25, $35 book is, is not too bad. And so I then thought, well, what should I do next? The publishers were very keen to follow it up with something. So the obvious one was American presidents. And to my surprise, nobody in the United States had ever done a book quite like this because it's not me writing about every president. It's me commissioning 55 or 46 different people. Well, I should say 45 given Grover Cleveland served twice, 45 different people to write about the 45 different presidents. So that's what I did. Um, It's just come out in States. It came out in uh, Britain in November, and it's had a fantastic reception so far.
0: I mean, it's it's interesting. There is definitely a British sensibility to the book about the presidency. But one of the things I really like are the choices that you made, that the the contributors tend to be players in different ways, whether it's uh, politicians like George Osborne, David Owen, uh, Roy Hattersley, Leila Moran. You've got old school political editors in there like Peter Riddle and Adam Bolton. Uh, You've got former diplomats like the uh, ambassador to the United States, Christopher Mayer, artists like Bonnie Greer. But what they all seem to share is this genuine fascination with American politics and political history.
2: Well, I think that's something that runs through British politics. Uh, Whether whether you're a commentator, whether you're a politician, most people have a real interest in the American presidency. And um, many people have been to presidential libraries. um, And I... It could have been a big mistake to have such a mishmash of people, because as you say, there are politicians, academics, professional historians, uh, journalists, and that, that in some ways it's quite difficult to get a consistent style throughout the book. And there are one or two essays, I'll freely admit, that <laughs> do stand out as rather different from the others. So Christopher Mayers, for instance, where obviously he, he was present during the early years of the George W. Bush presidency. And um, so it's very different from some of the others. David Owens, which I think is actually one of the standout essays in the book on Jimmy Carter. He was British Foreign Secretary during the Carter presidency. So he's got a unique take on it. Very different if I got a, a, a professional historian to do it. But in a way, I don't think it matters. I think it holds together. Well, the readers will be the judge of that, but I think it holds together and uh, variety is the spice of life, as they say.
0: Yeah, I think it, it more than holds together, actually. And, and in some ways, as you say, those kind of characters who were uh, kind of saw these things firsthand do make the book genuinely fascinating. Carter, uh, David Owen on Carter, as you say, w- was a brilliant essay when he talks about how we underestimate uh, Carter's mean, competitive side, but also his rational, scientific side. You know that I think that provides genuine well, new insight into into Carter,
2: and also part of the aim is of the book is to encourage people to read more about presidents or prime ministers that they get interested in. Because even though I'm I'm the ultimate political geek in Britain, I, I like to think I know quite a lot about politics, but there were three or four British prime ministers that I'd never heard of so, um, and in, in, and also in, in this book as well, there are several of the 19th century presidents that I'd never come across before. So the idea is that you've got two, three, 4,000 words written on a president that you might have never heard of, but if, they, if it catches your um, imagination, you then might want to go and read more about them. So it's kind of the ultimate... Uh, Lou book, in a way, because no, I doubt whether anybody's going to read it cover to cover. You Bathroom dip for our
0: American it. listeners. Yeah, sorry,
2: <laughs> I should have. <laughs> it, 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 it's not meant necessarily to be read from George Washington right through to Joe Biden. You dip in. And um, read a, a chapter a week or something. It's uh, I think that's how most people do it. And then I've had so many people say, well, um, I, I I had heard of Ulysses S. Grant, but I didn't know much about him. I do now, and I now want to know more. So you go and but and I think his autobiography is still in print.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of the fascinating things about the book that some of the best essays are actually on the characters that really don't get very much attention. Actually, on some of the most unattractive characters as well yeah. I mean Peter Riddle's essay uh, on John Tyler the reviled slave <laughs> owner who was buried in the confederate flag I mean that was an absolute tour de force that essay
2: yes I, I think it was and if you look at Simon Marx's, I mean he he's a Brit who's been working in America for the last 30 years I think runs Feature Story News he wrote about Andrew Jackson again a name that most of us are familiar with but how many of us really know much about him and I thought his essay really brought him to life. And I kept thinking he was the Donald Trump of his time. Now, um, and that you can only make these comparisons to a certain extent. But um, I, I think I'm right in saying that Donald Trump had a picture of him in the Oval Office when he was president. And you can see why.
0: Yeah, and then Alvin. I mean, you have a, a chapter in the book about the ranking of presidents, and and it is one of the things that we like to do, isn't it? It's a bit like that uh, Isaiah Berlin hedgehog and the fox that it's kind of almost like a party game that we like to uh, like to indulge in. But it, actually, ranking of presidents, working out who to use the kind of the original terms was great. Who was near great? Who was average, and so on? This is something that we're genuinely fascinated in, and it does it does. In a funny kind of way, it does matter, doesn't
1: it? Well, it matters some. I should say this is um, a 20th century phenomenon. Uh, there have been presidents before, and ranking, of course, rankings of presidents before. But the idea of asking scholars to rank them in various categories uh, started with Arthur Sessinger Sr. Now, you had a splendid book on Arthur a Jr., and I think the concept of rankings really began with Sam. Uh, I think this happened beginning at the, after the First World War. Uh, and on the uh, hinge of the second, uh, Henry Luce wrote a great essay for an editorial uh, for Life Magazine called The American Century. And, and the argument was, of course, that our, we've come of age, a relatively new nation, come out of a world war, become a superpower, flex our muscle a bit. Now there are tremendous challenges. Uh, so you have the New Deal and the, the, the welfare state, which really came in with Franklin Roosevelt, transformed the job. And now, of course, you have the capacity to wage war on two different fronts. And obviously the man at the helm would get more attention. So as the presidents begin, I would say to dwarf Congress a bit, although they all thought Congress would try to dominate them, uh, but became the dominant branch for many, many years, uh, as opposed to just one of three. The concept of how are the recent uh, uh, presidents faring in this new role and the change role demands uh, became of interest. So the first message I did a poll, 1948, And he sent a ballot to 33 colleagues, all historians, all professional uh, writers at at universities, and came up with six categories, or five categories. He gave no definition of the categories, gave the jurors no instructions, but he did have these terms. So we had great, uh, near great, uh, average, below average, and failure. Uh, He repeated the poll in 1962, and his son Arthur Jr repeated it in 1962, uh, excuse me, 1996, uh, right before Clinton's second inaugural. Uh, What these posts tell us, a couple of things, are that the reflections that historians and others, as uh, Dale has brought in the field, bringing many others, uh, tells us much about ourselves and our expectations of our times, um, as they do about the presidents and theirs.
0: And actually, and, and 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 Ian, I mean, that's that's one of the things that that really stands out, actually, about the book, that that this kind of diversity of thought. And and some of the some of the best essays, I do actually think, are where you get, for example, a, a conservative like George Osborne reflecting on someone like LBJ. And 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 not just that, but coming back to that point that I made earlier, that when he talks about LBJ's decision making during Vietnam, and he talks about his own decision making. Making, for example, over uh, decisions around Syria, you do really get that sense of what it was like to be in the room, the complexity of decision making.
2: Yes, it's very interesting that LBJ is considered to be quite a heroic figure by many people on the right in, in Britain. Um, George Osborne in particular, William Hague, our former foreign secretary, um, they were vying to invite Robert Caro over to uh, to speak at a dinner in Downing Street about LBJ because they were so fascinated by his books on him. And I think George Osborne's essay in this book is one of the strongest for the reasons that you just articulated. And Alvin is right. I, I didn't want... A a series of hagiographies or hit jobs um, uh, simon burns who was a conservative mp he is very close to the kennedys and the clintons and has worked on all the different campaigns i mean as a, as a conservative you might think he m- might have worked on republican campaigns but he, he uh, going back to the 1960s i think he was um, quite close to the kennedy family and um, i wanted him to write the jfk one but i said to him I do not, I know you hero worship JFK, but you've got to make it warts and all. And readers can judge whether he has. I I think he's done a a much better job than I possibly thought he might in, being incredibly uh, balanced in his assessments. And it's Freddie Gray, who's the deputy editor of The Spectator um, in, in this country, has spent several years living in the United States. I think he's done a heroic job on Richard Nixon, who is a president that I'm, absolutely fascinated by. I've read every book that he he ever wrote, He's a very underrated writer in my view, and I've visited the Nixon Library and Yorba Linda um, and in a way, I slightly regret I didn't write that one myself, but Freddie has done a fantastic job bringing to life the complexity of his character and a lot of his achievements because there were lots of achievements in his years as president. But of course, it's all masked by Watergate.
0: And, and really draws out the class aspects as well. I mean, he, he talks about how Nixon actually won a scholarship to Harvard, but was never able uh, to go because, because of the, the family reasons. So he had to go to the to the local college. And, and, and so that that kind of sense that, you know, this incredibly bright figure, but who always felt that he was looked down upon by uh, what he always used to call the Harvards.
2: Yeah, and I think Nixon didn't just have a chip on his shoulder. He had a chip on both shoulders. He always felt he had something to prove to the elites, even though, of course, most voters would have considered him to be part of the elite, and he was in the end. But um, certainly in the early years, I think uh, you can certainly detect in what Freddie says, in that he felt he had something to prove to people.
0: You make a, a really clever choice as well, it, it seems to me, that the, the Trump presidency is something which is still very close to us. But by uh, asking Justin Who'd, who was a very experienced BBC reporter had been the uh, BBC's correspondent in Washington. He brings that kind of BBC impartiality to something which is still very far from being a, a settled, uh, dis- uh, settled historical judgment because it was such a controversial presidency. Well, that essay
2: was one of the final ones that I commissioned, and I, I, I worried for a long time about who I could get to do Trump because. Very few people do not have an opinion on Donald Trump one way or the other. He's either hero or villain with, with very few shades of grey, understandably. But again, I didn't want a complete hit job on him. And I certainly didn't want somebody um, like Nigel Farage, who would have just written a pion to to Donald Trump. And I, I it just hit me one day, Justin Webb, he's the ideal man for this. He was BBC North America correspondent. He knows the country. He knows the antecedents of Trump's... Uh, popularity. And again, I know I'm saying that every single essay is brilliant, but I I genuinely think that his his was, because it it really did strike the right balance. It has got opinions in, but they're not all one way.
0: I mean Alvin you wrote the uh, the essay in the book on Jefferson and and there's a really good example of somebody whose uh, reputation historical reputation has waxed and waned that uh, at some stages he's been a secular saint he's a much more controversial figure uh, today because of slavery but but as you draw out in the book he was also deeply controversial uh, at the time and whatever we think about the election of in 2020 the election of 1800 with its mudslinging and uh, controversy over the final event well that that was something pretty spectacular too
1: well we think politics are divisive now and they're controversial now uh, the Jefferson Adams uh, race both in 1800 and particularly uh, well 1796 and 1800 uh, two of the dirtiest campaigns ever been waged by uh, founding fathers that we considered saints uh, the Adams is considered uh, Thomas Jefferson the devil incarnate an atheist. Uh, a man who was going to sell uh, wives and daughters into prostitution. And uh, Jefferson attacked Adams as a uh, a monarchist about to hand us back to the the British. Uh, Adams got so upset with the Jeffersonians that he passed an Alien Sedition Act that actually made it a crime to say anything in print uh, against the uh, President of the United States. And the first thing Jefferson does as President, anticipating when Jimmy Carter pardoned all the war resistors, if you recall, uh, he, he wound up having thousands of people sent to jail uh, by John Adams. And then, of course, Jefferson's vice president, uh, when they tie in the Electoral College, uh, he, stabs, he, he basically turns his back. Actually, figuratively, stabs Jefferson in the back, tries to uh, run for president himself with federalist support when the uh, Electoral College is uh, being contested in the House, uh, where every state gets one vote and he's trying to pick up votes from uh, federalists. And of course, for other issues, uh, Jefferson's running mate later winds up killing uh, Jefferson's other adversary, Alexander Hamilton. This was quite a colorful crew. Uh, One serious thing about Jefferson, where I thought he stands out, uh, in a group of um, of, uh, rationalists and a group of uh, philosophers who thought that human nature could not be changed, it could be controlled. Uh, Human nature is a beast when... You get one person or one faction or one party or one family to take control of the entire government. Bad things happen. How do you stop it? Uh, You check each other. You divide power into three branches. Uh, All accepted on a pessimistic view of human nature. Jefferson took the opposite view. He said this is all true today, but it will not be because I think reason will get us out of our current condition. We're always learning more things when I think of what we know now. And what we knew as a young man, as I think about how education and rationality have um, destroyed bigotry and superstition. In our grandparents' day, they used to burn witches. We don't do this anymore. Well, here is this man who believes that rationality can conquer the world and he can't deal with his own contradictions on slavery.
0: And I mean that—that's that's one of the things, isn't it, Ian? About the book that—and that's so useful about something that covers, goes right from Washington all the way through to Joe Biden. That it reminds us that uh, so often, uh, to use that phrase that uh, Mark Twain may or may not have used, that uh, that history rhymes. That there are kind of things that we can look back to, but also it kind of reminds us that you know sometimes things—things things that we think are uh, are unique or have, have been uh, have been kind of going for a long time are actually relatively new
2: I I think that's absolutely true and I think what you want to do when you're reading a book like this I think you want to have some of your own preconceptions challenged And, and I think I won't say this happens in every single chapter in the book but I think most of the time <clears throat> there, there are things that the author of a particular chapter on a president says, which makes you think, oh, that's that's not what I
0: thought. So again, it encourages you to, you to do a little bit of your own research. And, I mean, it is one of the things throughout your entire career, kind of you probably, as much as anybody really in the UK, have generated this kind of fascination with politics, taking politics seriously, whether through your, uh, your the books that you've published, the radio show, that uh the kind of the, just this genuine interest in politics and so we talk about how it's a
2: losing uh, battle
0: <laughs> but, but but we talk about how kind of politics has changed the presidency is not the same but the one thing that i came away from uh, with this book that in some ways politics has always been like this we've all we've always talked about politics in the same way all the way back as alvin was talking to jefferson and the and yeah. the election of 1800
2: well uh, I'm 59, about to turn 60 this year, which I cannot believe, but um, anyway, I'm trying to come to terms with that. But I, I think that... There is a temptation among people of my generation to think, "Oh, it's not like it was in the old days." <laughs> Things the, ain't what or, they used to be. <laughs> no, you look at Boris Johnson's cabinet. Oh, you haven't got the characters that Margaret Thatcher had in her cabinet, have you? And I'm sure in Margaret Thatcher's day, the older generations would have said, "Oh, it's not like it was under Harold Macmillan." And I think that goes for the for the whole world. Yes, I have. I suppose in 30 years, the, the running theme through what I've tried to do is to try and. I'm not going to say educate people, because that sounds a bit patronising and condescending, but try to make people as enthusiastic about politics as I am. And I've had lots of parents order signed copies of this book for their 15, 16, 17-year-old son or daughter, and I can get no bigger compliment than that. And I often get emails from, people, from parents saying, um, my 14-year-old listens to your show every night and your show has interested him or her in politics. Well, I,
0: the mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. So which, which chapters uh, would you want Joe Biden to read from the book, Ian?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Well, there is that old phrase. I don't know whether it was Churchill that said it, because, of course, Churchill is considered the father of virtually every political quotation (laughs) that people quote. Um, But he said, if you don't learn from history, you're condemned to repeat it. And when I look at what Joe Biden's policy has been towards Afghanistan, towards Ukraine and Russia, I think um, he would do very well to read chapters, both in this book and my Prime Minister's book, about the perils of appeasement, and um, to my mind, he so far, I mean, he's only been in office for, is it a year or is it two years now? I can't even remember. Yeah, just over Um, a year. It's just over a year, isn't it? Um, I mean, he is showing all the signs of being in the bottom quartile of one of Alvin's lists so far, and I, I don't see any theme to his presidency i don't see any great leadership um i i think i'd quite like him to read the theodore roosevelt chapter yes
0: And 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 I mean, Alvin. I, I suppose the only uh, the the only good thing for any president uh, who may look as if they're going to be towards the bottom end of your list is that uh, there have been many uh, presidents who now we might consider to be uh, great or near great um, uh, who were at the bottom of the list. I I, I think you note in the chapter that uh, Ulysses S. Grant was 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 dead last in the yes. in the original, yes. uh, whereas now uh, he's he's somebody who's taken much more seriously as uh, as an important president
1: well i would say both grant and eisenhower if you were to look at the ratings not not only of me but of c-span and many others they have shot up the largest uh when john kennedy was president and arthur schlesinger uh senior was doing polls eisenhower came in in the 20s uh in c-span he's now number five and when i was growing up the first uh, several schlesinger polls as had grant last and i think that uh It says a lot about uh, uh, studying past eras, studying past people. People always ask me, what makes for a good president? And I always say, uh, look for a variety of life experience. That's where you learn management. That's how you learn to relate to constituencies of different backgrounds. And uh, that's Teddy Roosevelt on every single page. He was a rancher. He was a soldier. He was a writer. He was a naturalist, an explorer and a god, a zoologist, many, many things. And when he uh, was called or came forward to battle in the Spanish-American War, he put together a volunteer group called the Rough Riders, filled with uh, cattle ranchers, Harvard dudes, uh, New York City policemen, he was New York City police commissioner, among so many things. And he forged a a very effective fighting unit out of them. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt understood uh, the the uh, the the war winds that were coming his way, he tried to uh, lead public opinion by pretending to follow it. He gave a marvelous speech on the eve of the war, uh, 1940 Christmas time, uh, a year before Pearl Harbor, and he said, "We have grown up shielded by these two wonderful waters, uh, wonderful oceans. They've allowed us to develop internally, and of course, protected by that mighty British Navy." Imagine if that navy disappeared, and uh, German boats were paroling the Atlantic. How free would we be then? Uh, what about the colonies? What about the British colonies in our in, in our hemisphere that would revert to German control? Uh, what about German spies in Argentina? He painted su- such a picture that he didn't he didn't uh, push the people to bat to to battle uh, Christ, but he prepared them. The whole argument was: if Britain falls. There's no place else, which reminds me of Ronald Reagan. Uh, there's no place else to go if the United States uh, loses its freedom. Every generation has to fight for it again. Those are the kinds of, uh, of stories that I hope Joe Biden is looking at in the evening when he doesn't have the pressures of the day. I think uh, he will rise to the occasion if he takes away that inspiration. And challenges his team to read them as well.
0: And 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 finally, Ian. I mean, you've you've written a book on prime ministers, or edited a book on prime ministers. This one on American presidents. I mean, picking up on Alvin's comment there. What is it, do you think, from these these studies that you've uh, that you've commissioned? What is it that you think that actually makes the difference for being a successful uh, political leader?
2: I think being in the right place at the right time counts for an awful lot, and that that is pure luck in many ways. If you look at Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, they were two people who became leaders of their country at exactly the right time. After the malaise of the Carter presidency, Reagan, with his sunny disposition, optimism and ability to delegate, Um, I think was exactly the right man to be president in the 1980s, just as Margaret Thatcher rescued the United Kingdom in the 1980s. There are others who are just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You you look at, um, for example... um, Anthony Eden who was prime minister he succeeded Churchill well any anybody that succeeds a long-term leader who's seen as an absolute national hero is on a hiding to nothing just as John Major was when he succeeded Margaret Thatcher and Anthony Eden had it all he had the good looks he had the charm he had the political background he had the experience but he will feature right at the bottom of every single list of British prime ministers because of Suez and jim callahan again somebody who had held all the great offices of state took over from harold wilson in 1976 and had a disastrous 3 years wrong place wrong time and i'm sure alvin could quote several american presidents who uh, you you could say the same for
0: so the book is The President's 250 Years of American Political Leadership. It's edited by my guest, Ian Dale, with chapters on Jefferson and presidential rankings by Alvin Feltzenberg, and is published by Hodder. There's also a highly enjoyable podcast series, Presidents and Prime Ministers, to accompany the book, which you can find on your podcast app. Uh, but for now, Ian, Alvin, congratulations again on the book and thanks for joining us on Bookstack. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So that's it from us this week. Don't forget to check our website, AmericanPurpose.com, and to leave us a review on your podcast app. The show is produced by Damien Marusic. Do join us again next week. But for now, this is me, Richard Aldous, wishing you a very happy President's Day weekend.